if you feel like this is going to suck, but if I spend my life trying to do this thing that I am here to do, I will be a much happier person than if I deny that and go after the safe thing or the comfortable thing. Because you're not going to control it either way. So why not try doing the thing that you feel called to do? You're listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry and beyond. I'm Trevor Algott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And coming up in episode 242, Trevor sits down with the first of a three-part interview with actress and filmmaker Sophia Savage. Now, some listeners may recognize her face and name from one of Trev's long-ago picks of the week, uh, the beautiful and moving short film, Empyrean. In part one, Sophia shares about her early years in the industry, making the choice to answer the call to move to Los Angeles to make storytelling her profession, and how her philosophy empowered her to turn adversity into art. Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from VO2GoGo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best Voiceover Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's V-O, the number two, gogo.com slash start. Hey, Trev, what's up, buddy? Hey, dude, how are you? I'm well. I, uh... I, I relish these times where we get to record this because uh, very often, actually more often than not, I don't get a chance to like talk to you or catch up with you until you know the the recordings. Like we haven't really we haven't really talked this week since the last since we recorded our, our Q2 review episode. Yeah, yeah. Aside so. from that that quick text I got from you yesterday where you said like, "All right, dude, I need some some <laughs> some meal ideas from you." Yeah. Uh, so we'll have to definitely talk about that. But yeah, yeah I, sure. I like it too, man. This is our this is our time of the week to connect and sort of mini mastermind and and be part of the community. So I, I really dig it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, let's jump into the episode. So before we get started, or as we get started, we have a, a pretty cool message from a listener that we wanted to share. This is like, this is really awesome. This is potentially life-changing stuff. So we wanted to read this here on the air. So it goes like this. We've all had that moment, that defining moment that completely changed our lives. That moment when we listened to our intuition and made that one choice that brought us to where we are right now. That moment when someone turned right instead of left and decided to stay a little longer. That moment when that special someone was introduced to you by a mutual friend. That moment when you realized you couldn't stop looking into someone's eyes. When you realized you were experiencing something totally new. Something you've never experienced before. 
something that changes you forever. Today is that moment that changes everything. Today is that turning point when I decide to follow my intuition, my feelings, my love. Today is the day when I, Pavel Shatov, ask Leah Fondler to marry me. <laughs> How awesome is that? You guys, you guys, you listeners, we just had our first on the air proposal. Yeah, yeah, we did. Congratulations, guys. Uh, wow, I, I, it's, it, gosh, it's weird because we're sort of at a remove here. And I, I can't, I, I wish it was like videotaped or there was a live feed or something. Um, <laughs> needless to say, we are extremely honored to be a part of this momentous occasion. <laughs> This big moment in these people's lives, uh, both um, passionate listeners of the podcast. So, thank you guys for inviting us to be a part of this this moment. And um, I, how are we supposed to do the rest of the episode? Like, what 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 could be more? What could be cooler than that? We need to hang it up, man. How awesome is that? That is it. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations, Pavel. Congratulations, Leah. Um, let us know how that whole thing unfolded i i, I don't want to kind of give give it away here to our listeners but pavel and i have been exchanging some messages and um it's really cool the way he sort of set this up so i, I can't wait to hear how it all played out our first podcast proposal and it was uh, pavel was like that that was uh, it was all him man he had the idea he reached out to us we thought it was the coolest thing since sliced bread and here we are yeah yeah ah <laughs> uh, okay well um hmm are you like I'm are you nervous? I'm like I'm nervous right now. I was like, so nervous just reading that. I was like don't fuck it up trip. Don't fuck it up. I, I could record it again, you know, it's not a big deal, but I was I'm still like filled with j- j- jitters. So speaking of being nervous. <laughs> yeah. Of Trevor being nervous. Yeah, so this only gets worse for me because, because <laughs> So last episode, um one of my sort of uh, mm, promises i guess or de- declarations was that i would um spend a, a good chunk of time on music this this week and share uh a piece of that music just because i spent so much of the first six months of the year sort of doing music sort of half-heartedly and not really share anything so i put together a, a 60 second clip of a song that i'm working on which is a cover of nine inch nails hurt and uh i put together a 60 second clip that is pretty much pretty close to being like a final mix. Uh, there's a few things I want to change in here still, but I, I, I thought I'd just go ahead and, and play it here. So here we go. that shit i want to hear the rest of it <laughs> so good thanks man so Thank good you. it sounds really good i love the way that um you did that like 
uh, sort of, I don't know what to call it, like ghostly, shadowy version of your voice before you actually come in. So it's like before the beat. Mm, yeah, that's in the that's in the original actually, and I just I was trying to replicate it without ripping it off <laughs> totally. Like that's been the biggest challenge with this. Is I don't want to just copy the song. I wanted to do my own sort of spin on it. Right. Um. And he he does that in the original. And I've always loved that. Like that sort of foreshadow of the of the uh, the chorus there of each line in the chorus. So. Yeah, I um I'm much. <laughs> this is silly but i'm much more familiar with johnny cash's cover than i am with the original <laughs> most people are actually yeah i mean yeah. i've heard the original don't get me wrong yeah just... anyway cool well Dude, congratulations thanks thanks so much I, I, ugh, it's it's i gotta get over this which is why i want to kind of continue to to do this kind of thing continue to share this kind of thing and um so thank you for listening thank you listeners for uh you know unwittingly holding me accountable <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, and listening to that 60 second clip of the song next week here's my declaration for next week next week I will have the song complete in like in full it'll be fully mixed completed everything's done and I'll have a link that I can share with everybody uh, if they ask me for it so or maybe I'll just put it in the show notes or something but that that's coming next week so that's my oh, declaration. I'm going to continue this momentum here. We need to start using our listeners for accountability. <laughs> well, I just yeah. don't want to face the public shame of not doing it, breaking, <laughs> breaking my word, you know? They, they're like, they're like, wait a second. We're just being used as accountability partners. <laughs> well, I, no- apparently, like, one-on-one accountability is not enough for me. I need, like, very public pressure, so. <sighs> so, uh, just moving on here, it looks like you've got some cool news this week, too. You had a feature film meeting and a play meeting. And by meeting, we mean audition, but by audition, we mean meeting. I, I had such an insane week. Uh, I, I, I just straight up posted about it on Facebook. I was like, I had, um, you know, Howie Gold's workshop that I typically go to. Well, you know, it's, you know, on Wednesday nights or whatever. And then uh, I had this feature film audition and uh, a play audition. I had so much stuff to read sleepless nights and it's so funny because this is like the actor's life right we i I had weeks where nothing was going on Mm -hmm. nothing and nothing going on and then all of a sudden it was like when it rains it pours and i i had i i I was reading this feature film or this feature film script reading the script for the workshop and reading this play script um so all told it was probably like i i would say close to like 300 pages worth of stuff Maybe two two seventy five. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, wow. exactly. In in what time frame again? Uh, forty eight hours. <laughs> and, uh, and not only that, but like get off book, take on rehearsal, and then your work ethic is ridiculous. Like when you, I remember we were doing the War Cycle, and we did all three War Cycle plays in one day, and you played a very lead prominent role in all three of those plays and you did all of them and like just watching you those months and weeks i was just like in awe and then you pulled it off beautifully you know it went great and now you've got this kind of thing and you're like oh yeah <laughs> it's awesome dude i i really marvel at your work ethic that that means so much to me dude because I, getting six hours of sleep over the course of you know 48 hours Jeez. or three days or whatever like it's not it was not fun and i was worried for my health so i was very focused on that i was like downing water like it was a job and just trying to you know stay eat healthy and eat clean and then of course you know two nights i slept for like nine ten hours straight two nights mm-hmm. in a row uh <clears throat> you know it's I, it's certainly not recommended but i i also it's like what do you do 
you know, and of course the feature film, it's like, I was thinking about the ROI and the feature film, of course, pays more than the play did does. So, you know, I spent, you know, a little bit more time on that than I did on the, on the play, but, but the play also, it's a play with music and I had to, you're going to love this, Trev. I had to learn a song in Spanish. All right. Which I don't speak fluently. So I learned it by rote just by listening to it over and over and over again uh-huh. and then went in and like, to be honest, for not speaking the language, I am confident that I crushed it. And, and I know I did because I got a callback the next day, went back for the callback and I, I guess if I'm going to hear anything, it's going to be today because that was on Friday and, right. and we're recording this on Monday. So oh, who knows? But it, it was just, it was a crazy week and, um, I'm not, you know, we love to sort of break these things down into their learnable, you know, chunks and I don't know, give yourself the time. I mean, there is that thing of, of, uh, what is it? L O cool J or Will Smith mm-hmm. says, you know, you, you have to be ready so you don't have to get ready. Yeah. But I don't know how I would have gotten ready. It's like, <laughs> you know, speak Spanish, like listen to ranchera music on your free, during your free time. I, you know, I don't know that there would have right. been anything I could have right. done to be ready for this. But, well, you know, I was I was thinking of both of those guys, actually, as you were telling the story. And I think they both have something unique to share. I mean, number one, Will Smith talks about and he's one of the most inspiring human beings on the planet. And he talks about just like, you know, there are a lot of guys who are you know, better looking than me, more talented, you know, better connections, you know, like whatever, but nobody will outwork me. Mm, I will mm -hmm. always work harder than anybody in this industry. And then LL Cool J as well, just saying, yeah, like you said, I like to to be ready so I don't have to get ready. But I think that in this case, like, yeah, like, okay, oops, I wasn't fluent in Spanish. (laughs) I was a (laughs) bad actor, right? But I think that um, the sort of, like, how you can be ready, like, the way you were ready and constantly are ready is that your brain is constantly in that place of, of, uh, like, mm, plasticity. And, And I guess what I mean by that is, like, you keep an open mind. You're always working on something. So when something new comes into your world like this, it's not like you have to, like, rev yourself up or like retrain your brain to be malleable to take in new information quickly like you're you've already done that work and so when when something comes your way that feels like a curveball you handle it so much more elegantly than you would have otherwise if you were just kind of like you know laying around and binge watching some series and waiting for the phone to ring you know what i mean like i I think that's there's a lot to be said for how you live your life thank thank you for saying that because i did actually have it's it's really funny that you bring that up because i did have that moment where I was sitting there learning the lines uh, for the scenes of the of the two meetings and thinking to myself, man, I hope this doesn't get harder as time goes on because mm-hmm. my brain just biologically gets less and less malleable uh, just by virtue of age. Yeah, I've had know? that same thought too, yeah. And, and but that's cool that, I mean, I, it's nice to hear you say that and and to think like oh it, it actually it wasn't as hard as it could have been because we've talked i mean you've talked to actors who, who are like oh man it's so hard for me to get off book or like people who um i'll use your word marvel at how quickly you know someone like ben or myself can get off book. we helped each other put the, our film auditions on tape his was for a series lead and mine was for a, a huge feature film awesome and and you know we're both sitting there like going over the lines over and over and over again. And we both basically did it off book. 
<clears throat> and I was so grateful in that moment. And it, it, his brain sort of works the same in that way. And we were both just commenting on how grateful we were because we, we know plenty of people that, that can't do it that quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, thank goodness for a malleable brain. I, I just I, I pray it stays that way. Yeah, well, I think the, the, the more you continue to, to live life, live a life that requires a malleable brain, the longer it will stay that way. I mean, I, I think that's such a huge part of of your continued success. Yours and Ben's and everybody that we know who's just grinding every day, even when there's nothing going on, you're still finding a way to sort of stay mm. engaged, stay plugged in, keep your brain on its toes, keep mm. your heart on its toes, you know, feel the feelings and experience things. So I, kudos, I guess is what I'm saying. So uh, I, I vote to jump straight into this interview with Sophia because it's so good and uh, we don't want to make this episode too terribly long. We've already packed a lot in to the first chug here. So um, shall we uh, give a quick shout out to this newest version of rehearsal before we jump into the interview? Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of learning lines, uh, this episode of Inside Acting is brought to you by Rehearsal Pro, which has been helping me learn my lines. Uh, it is the newest version of rehearsal, the essential app for actors, and it is, uh, as many of our listeners know who are caught up on the podcast, finally available in the iTunes App Store. If you want to learn your lines, be off book for your auditions, explore your character and make stronger choices and do a whole lot more, go to rehearsal.pro slash IAP right now to learn about all the great new features in this new version of rehearsal the groundbreaking app designed by actors for actors. That's rehearsal.pro slash IAP. Rehearsal Pro, the app for actors. Awesome. All right. So if you don't have that app yet, go get it. Go get it. It will be a big uh, plus to your career in life. Uh, All right, cool. Let's jump into part one of this interview with Sophia. Uh, I love Sophia. She's awesome, extremely talented, and sweet, giving kind soul uh, with a lot of uh, just authentic experience and wisdom to share. So enjoy this first part, guys. My cat's meowing a bit in the first part there, so (laughs) sorry about that. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome back. This is Trev, and I'm really, really excited to be sitting across from uh, a beautiful and immensely talented actress, writer, director, producer, Sophia Savage. Sophia, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Just a a little bit of um, backstory on how I came across your work and how... uh, I realized that we really wanted you on the show was I, I came across a, a newsletter that I get from Snag Films and I saw your film as one of the featured ones, your film Empyrean. And I'm really excited to dig into your process, your creative journey, your philosophies and all that. But first, I want to hear about sort of how you got into this industry because you were born in New Hampshire. Yes. What, what happened to get you from New Hampshire to the entertainment industry well, in Los Angeles? You know, very, very small town, New Hampshire, um, one of five kids. I was homeschooled until high school and then went to a pretty small um, high school in my hometown. And, you know, it was fine, but I knew that surviving high school was the goal. Just like mm. survive, get good grades, 
get a scholarship so I can go to college and like get out. So that was kind of the, the, the goal of everything. And I, you know, knew I wanted to do something that involved storytelling. I think acting and dancing came really early when I was, I mean, I started ballet when I was five, but even before that, if there was a camera near me, um, you can, you know, there's footage somewhere and it's very embarrassing, but it was very obvious that I had a thing for the camera very early. Natural born performer. Yeah. So, um, that to me wasn't something that was really calculated. I didn't really think about it as a profession. It was just dancing and performing and cameras was like where I felt the most alive and it was just so fun and amazing. And as I got older and discovered movies, that was like the, my number one thing I would want to do is if I can't like be running around dancing, acting, whatever outside, I want to be watching a movie and getting totally immersed in that world. And writing kind of the same thing, reading stories, hearing stories being told to me, and then realizing I could create my own. Those became my, my, my passions from a pretty young age. And then being homeschooled was great because you could explore that stuff kind of whenever you wanted yeah, to. Yeah, I, I want to ask about yeah. the homeschooling thing because I, I mean, I wasn't homeschooled. Although there is, does seem to be more of a movement in that direction these days. Typically, it's a movement that's, that's kind of associated with um, religion. That's at least where I come from. It was a lot of very conservative Christian kids that were homeschooled. And Hmm. that was not why my parents did it. So I was kind of the outsider within the outsiders because it was already weird to be homeschooled. Hmm. And there weren't very many of us. And then among us, our family was the weird ones. Oh, really? Why was that? Well, because my parents were more, you know, idealistic hippies and but also very strict. Um but there was no religion associated with it. It was much more about we can give our kids a better education and more freedom mm. than if they were to go to just like the public small town school where they're going to be given kind of a crappy education. And what was it like socially? Because, I mean, you, you were homeschooled with just a, a small batch of kids that you could yes. really socialize with. And then you were yes. dumped into high school where it's like yes. arguably the most socially thing difficult yeah. years. I mean, high school, I don't think was great for anyone, even the people it seemed great for, but I don't think it was. Um, But, you know, high school is like, continues after high school. The the dynamics that you find there that people struggle with exist in everywhere else they've ever gone. It's good training. So I think it is good training and it's a good way to learn your own boundaries, you know, just as a person, like where do I need to prioritize my own well-being and my own self-respect and Mm -hmm. how can I do that while also being a good friend or a good person or just you know not getting into arguments all the time high school was tough for me because I was you know I being homeschooled I didn't learn the kind of middle school like antics or rules of the game so I kind of showed up and I was like I'm the new girl and I've got all these opinions and ideas and I'm kind of a weirdo but like I don't really care and and people did not know what to do with me Mm. so that's fine they still don't know what to do with me and (laughs) at this point I'm like not my problem cool Um, yeah so you knew from a young age that you wanted to kind of be a storyteller a writer a performer storyteller I, yeah, I mean, I I think in the back of my mind, I knew that's what I was here to do, but I still didn't take it entirely seriously. 
Mm. Meaning, you know, in hindsight, I think it was that I was afraid of really admitting how much that's what I wanted and then trying and potentially failing because I'm not good at being bad at something. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> okay. basketball and soccer, like I just suck. So I'm I'm not someone who can play those things like casually for fun because I just get really frustrated that I'm not good at it. Hmm. Whereas there's other things where I'm just I feel like naturally comfortable doing and <laughs> I, I in that way I'm just like, yeah, well, why not do the thing I'm just like good at without having to like, mm-hmm. you know, fail over and over. When, so, when, when did that switch happen for you? When did you realize, you know what? I think this is what I want to do with my life. I think I can do I this. I was living in New Zealand for, I studied abroad for a year in college and then I went back for two more years after and was living with my ex-boyfriend there and New Zealand's this beautiful, magical place and that's where he's from. And I had a, you know, kind of nine to five corporate job that was really boring, but I made decent money and, you know, it was all kind of just figured out and it felt like, okay, I could stay and get married and just like live in New Zealand the rest of my life and have kids and hike these beautiful mountains and all that. But, um, I was really bored and, um, isolated and I felt very creatively, um, I mean, I was doing a little bit of community theater and local theater in the city where I was living, which was great. But I just knew, like, this can't just be my hobby. Because mm. this is the thing that is, like, it's so obvious that this is what I meant to do, you know, just for myself. And then getting, you know, having the review come out in the local paper and having, like, a special mention. I'm like, yeah, that feels really good because that is what I want to do. So mm-hmm. why am I not doing it? And I was 24. Um, or 23 to 24 when I was kind of trying to decide if I was going to leave New Zealand and come back and what I was going to do. And I was just afraid. It was just fear. It was like, if I go to LA, I'm this small town girl who knows nobody. I have no money. I have no connections. I think I'm talented, but like, I don't know, because I've never been around like the real industry. I'm from nowhere. Like, no one I knew had ever done something like that. So it was a belief in myself, but also, like, not knowing if that was real, if it was just, like, I don't know any better, you know? Mm-hmm. So there was fear of going to L.A. and making a fool of myself, I guess, or or mm. finding out, like, I'm not talented and special and I'm not good enough to be here. And I think the same stuff that everyone struggles with, you know? It's yeah, like yeah. you have... I think if you're listening to your intuition, a lot of people have this sense of like they of knowing of like this is what I'm meant to do, even if I fail, doesn't matter because it's what I'm here to do, or at least try to do. Mm-hmm. And then there's the um, fear of like, but can I? And what if it doesn't work out? And it's all unknown, and there is no right way to do it, and it's not a formula. It's just not how it works. Yeah. yeah. What was this? What was the thing that put you over the edge and said, you know, yeah, I'm going to do this? Well. I kind of, I don't know if I said it out loud, but I had kind of, I had this checklist in my mind of like things that, that need to happen so that I can finally just like buy a plane ticket home and move to LA. It wasn't like move back home to New Hampshire. It was like, I live in New Zealand and if I either stay here or I go to LA and like do this for real. Um, the final thing that needed to happen after just acknowledging I was unhappy, acknowledging that as much as I loved my boyfriend it wasn't 
meant to be forever. It was like, it's great, but it's time to go for both of us. We're too young to be this settled and complacent. That's how I felt. And then Obama needed to <laughs> win. So he did. Eight, <laughs> this is eight years ago we're talking about. I was just like, I can't. I, I have enough of an issue being an American. After living abroad, you really get how much or just how the rest of the world views us. And that was a big issue for me. And I was like, it has to be Obama. And if he's elected, I will buy a ticket home and like do this. Wow. So I did. That's exactly what happened. Wow. And it was hard to leave New Zealand and leave my boyfriend and leave any sense of comfort and plan for anything. Mm-hmm. So you so. came out to L.A. not knowing anybody or having any real connections? I knew a friend of a friend and a friend who had graduated from school, from college a couple years before me. Kind of like two people I kind of knew, kind of was friends with, yeah. but not really. Yeah. But that was, I mean, even that was great because it was like, I don't really know you, but I'm going to need to sleep on your couch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And both of these, these women I'm friends with still. So that, even though it wasn't like a connection or a best friend, it was something which for me made a big difference. Yeah. It was the same thing for me. I just had a friend of a friend that went, I went to high school with and I just mm-hmm. kind of like emailed her and was like, can I sleep on your couch for like two weeks? Yeah. And, God, if if I hadn't had that, I honestly don't know if I would have ever made the move. Yeah, I think people, maybe everywhere, but especially in LA, kind of know that people risk a lot when they come here. Yeah, and just offering someone a couch can be the difference between I don't know if it's life or death, but like trying or not trying. Yeah, yeah. and I think the gift of like here's somewhere to crash so that you can try is big. There you go. Everybody listening, make sure you pay it forward. Yeah. Anybody you hear that needs a couch. A couch or even just like the right words delivered in the right way. Yeah. You never know what someone else is going through and what they need to hear to kind of make it through to the next thing, whatever it is. So did you have uh, savings? What were those early years like? Did you have savings? What were your early jobs? Oh, man. Okay. So I'll try to explain my first year in briefly. I had been working in New Zealand but at the time, the exchange rate was very much not in favor of coming back to the States with a foreign currency. I had been paying off student loans and came with like a little bit of money, but not much. And long story short, I within maybe a month or two, I moved into a house with like a, a bunch of different people and by the end of my first year, I had been robbed by my roommate. Wow. Here in LA. Oh, yes. He has never paid me back. Wow. Not a good person. Is that a story worth telling on the show? Or I mean, he was a crazy photographer who was used to having pretty girls throw themselves at him. And I was working three different jobs, seven days a week. And he was apparently, I learned, you know, in his like high rages that he was very offended by me thinking I was too cool to hang out with him and not kind of be one of his girls. And I was like, dude, like you, I'm work. All I do is work and I come home and like do my laundry and sleep and I don't know you anything and you're crazy. And then he was, I mean, the house was then in foreclosure and he was like renting out rooms to models and asking me for hundreds of dollars to pay utilities, which was 
totally insane. And then he was threatening to, you know, if I don't give him X number of dollars, then I'm going to be sorry. And wow. At some point I come home from work and my room was emptied out. No he way. He had stolen, like, I had just bought a new bed. I had a chair and a desk. Like, not much, but I had started to get stuff to, like, live and start a life here. And the furniture was all gone, and he had put, like, all my sweaters and warm clothes from, like, a drawer into a cardboard box and threw dirt and, like, dish soap all over. It, it was nuts. Wow. Nuts. Wow. And he, like, w- took off to Milan, and I never... I haven't seen him since, but like a year later he he found me on facebook and like wrote this apology asking for forgiveness and i was like you can give me like three thousand dollars to replace everything you stole or 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 nothing but i'm not going to forgive you you that's anyways that happened before that happened i was hit by a car i had a vespa (laughs) i was hit by a car for the first of three times over four years and a couple months after that whole being robbed thing, I think I was resettled. I got my own apartment and my dad got diagnosed with brain cancer and within three months was gone. That was all within the first 14 months of being in LA. Jeez. I'm probably forgetting stuff, but those are kind of like the highlights. Highlight reel is like robbed, hit by car, lose your father. Yeah. Was, how long have you been in LA now? It'll, it was seven years in February. Wow. So over seven years. So I feel like a lot of people, if they experience what you've experienced, they would just kind of be like, mm-hmm. it wasn't meant to be some higher powers trying to tell me yeah. something. I was telling the story to someone else the other day and I, I was kind of like, I, I, I am really hard on myself and I was having kind of a moment of like not being hard on myself. And I was thinking back to my first year and I was like, is that normal or is like, that's kind of a lot to happen in one year when you're 24, 25 years old, working three jobs, going to acting school, trying to get an eight, like in addition to all that stuff, which was also happening, it was like this personal life stuff, this being robbed, hit by, it was just like a lot. But at no time did I take it as a sign that I wasn't meant to be here. And I do believe in signs. Like, I definitely will make decisions based on, like, signs that I see. But that's not what those were to me. It was more my... I mean, it it really made me grow up. Like, I was always very independent. I had been working jobs since I was 12. So I was used to working and kind of being a trooper. But that matured me emotionally in a way that... um, I can't even, I mean, until you lose a parent, it's, I can't even describe what it does. And it still does. I mean, it's like, it doesn't go away. It just kind of changes over time. So I'm grateful for it because I feel like I have this whole different level of just seeing things and, mm-hmm. and things really can't get worse after that <laughs> You've been there. stuff happens. Yeah. And I still, I just knew, I remember moments of like being in LA after my dad passed and feeling like I have no support system here. Like, and my boss was at the time horrible to me and it it was just really challenging. And I was like, I just have to keep going through the motions for a while. Like just keep going to work, keep going outside and hiking, getting fresh air, keep feeding myself. Well, keep going to acting school, keep writing, just keep doing all the things I was doing. I was like, at some point I'm going to start to feel okay again. 
And that's just what I did. Because the alternative was like, throw a pity party, make bad decisions, move back home, like... Mm-hmm. And then those weren't options for yeah. me. They just weren't options. There was nowhere else to go. It was like, it took a lot of courage to get here. And the universe is testing mm-hmm. me, I guess, and seeing yeah. how tough I am. And I did not say uncle. <laughs> like and that. I still haven't. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should have. But it's just, <laughs> I don't see it as an option. I feel like there are people that see signs and people that see tests these were tests yeah and i think that's a that's an awesome thing and also it sounds like you didn't really have i mean a lot of people talk about you know you come out to la you gotta have a backup plan like my grandmother you know love her pieces Mm -hmm. always used to tell me you gotta have a backup plan maybe you can be a teacher or something like that and well the logical mind yes likes those things i have plans i have systems i have systems i am in control of everything and everything's gonna be fine and work out exactly as i planned yeah and that is not how the world works. We like to think that's how it works. We've created, like, you know, highways with lines on them and ho- houses that are squares and lines at the checkout. And, like, there's all these things that make it seem like there's rules, mm-hmm. but there aren't. Yeah. <laughs> there really aren't. We just all agree to follow a lot of these things yeah. because it's, you know, better than complete chaos and yeah. killing each other. I, exactly. I had, a, I had an epiphany a little while ago where I realized that everything in the world is the way it is because enough of us said, yeah, okay, Agreed. that works. It's only because that's we agree it. to the whatever that illusion is. Like green means go because enough people were like, yeah, I think that sounds about right. So it's like, it's, it. it's funny when you think about when you start seeing the world through that lens, you're like, we assign value to everything. We assign meaning to everything. And we can remake anything mm-hmm. and we can make new things. That, I think Steve Jobs said something like this. We can make new things that people can use. We can completely add to this mm-hmm. reality. I think it's, I, I think about that every once in a while. I yeah. just get like, wow, it's, it's, it's a trip, man. It's kind of like unplugging from the matrix. Totally. You know? It's totally about the matrix. Yeah. So in that vein, you, you can't, I mean, you can have a backup plan. We, we need some semblance of comfort and control over our lives to not go crazy. So I think it's good to have some structure. But I think if you are listening to your intuition, then, and you feel like you know what you're meant to do. Not like, maybe if I like go to LA and be an actor, like I'll just like party all the time and life will be great and I'll be famous and rich. Like if that's why you're doing it, stop right now. (laughs) But if you feel like this is going to suck, but if I spend my life trying to do this thing that I am here to do, I will be a much happier person than if I deny that and go after the safe thing or the comfortable thing to avoid failing or risking or whatever because you're not going to control it either way so why not try doing the thing that you feel called to do So as tends to happen when one of us does an interview solo, uh, the other one is at a disadvantage because we get to listen to it. So uh, I'm excited to hear this, Trevor, but any uh, parting words uh, on this this first part? Are we saving the debrief till till the interview is 
uh, at its conclusion. I, I think a full debrief would be good when we've we've heard of sort of shared the whole thing. But uh, what what stuck out to me the most about this first part is that um, I don't know. I, I'm one of those crazy people that like looks for signs in the world, and I sort of I, I really do believe that there's a, a divine hand uh, at work in the world. Um, not necessarily changing or tweaking or influencing things, but encouraging and guiding each of us uh, to to move into meaningful work that is going to positively benefit the world. And I, I, we you know we talked in the interview, as you just heard, a little bit about like seeing signs or calls to action or even calls to abandonment uh, versus seeing tests. Uh, you know, like uh, the universe or God or whatever you'd like to call it, basically putting something into your life experience to say, if you want it, this is the price you've got to pay. As I'm speaking this out loud, I'm, I'm feel like I'm not quite putting it quite right or I'm overanalyzing it or something, but I really value the way that, that Sophia uh, sees this. I mean, as you heard, she went through quite a bit in her first, uh, just like first 18 months or so in mm-hmm. LA. And uh, when we had that thing, I said, you know, sign or test. And she was like, you know, I never questioned that I wasn't supposed to be doing what I'm doing. It was just another step on the journey. And mm-hmm. it was part of the price I had to pay to, to continue on my journey here. And I love that she turned it into art. And if you haven't seen Empyrean, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen her short film Empyrean, or if you haven't seen uh, her newest short film uh, Total Moon, check both of them out on her website. There's a link on our sh- on the show notes for this episode. They're awesome. They're so good. They're exactly the kind of films that I would like to make someday. So uh, check them out and then get ready for part two coming next week. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right. So what is your pick this week? Uh, you t- you alluded to this last week. Yeah, so my pick, it's kind of a tool pick, and I, I think what will end up happening is I'll have more picks of the week that come from this website, but uh, my pick of the week is this website called Sounds True. Uh, they're at soundstrue.com. The, the link on our link in the show notes is soundstrue.com slash store because it has it lists all of the different um, things that are available on their website, but I found them because I actually borrowed compact discs you remember those things, CDs, hmm. um, <clears throat> from Ben Whitehair, actually, of Brene Brown's Men, Women, and Worthiness, which is available on Sounds True, and that's my sort of co-pick of the week. And uh, the, ca- the new car that Jasmine and I got that we drove up to Tahoe in has a CD player in it, of all things. That's weird. <laughs> we, put the C- we put the CD into the little spot. People, you know, people are going to be listening to this podcast, this very podcast, in twenty years, and be like, "What is a CD?" Um, anyway, <laughs> a casting director. Listen- what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We listened to it on the way up, and uh, it was it was fantastic. It was really beautiful. We both had um, breakthroughs and realizations about ourselves, about each other, about our relationship. It was really fantastic. Mm. So that's Brene Brown's "Men, Women, and Worthiness," and sounds true. It's basically like if you think about. The best way I can describe it is like audiobooks meets TED Talks meets mm. Super Soul Sun. Oh, yes. It's, it's yes, all people yes. of the Oprah, Brene Brown ilk um, who, who have put together like these uh, what they call sessions because they're not really books that they've written. They're, they're sessions. They're like, they're like almost these miniature workshops and they're all available on Sounds True. So if you're looking to expand your horizons in, in some domain of your life, whether it's in vulnerability, in abundance, in, in uh, creativity, in confidence, I'm sure there's something on Sounds True that would uh, speak to you. And so uh, I think it's a wealth of knowledge and wisdom 
the difference being that wisdom, I feel like, is more related to the soulful side of our being mm. rather than knowledge being sort of the in- intellectual side of our being. Mm. Awesome. Okay, cool. I am definitely going to check that out. Yeah, you would dig it, Trev. It, it's it's definitely uh, up your alley. Okay, sweet. All right. Well, uh, to complement that, my pick of the week is a book called The Kind Diet by Alicia Silverstone. Um, many of our listeners have probably heard about this or have it. It came out a few years ago. Um, I, you know, I've been doing the vegan thing for seven plus months now, um, feeling great. And I, I kind of thought I knew a lot about it. And my brother's girlfriend, uh, we were talking when she was over here not too long ago. And she's like, oh, you know, I'll bring you some books. I've got a lot of books you might be interested in. And I was like, okay, cool. So she brought over this book, The Kind Diet, among a few others. And I kind of paged through it and I was like, okay, you know, this looks like a sort of another book that's more of the same type of, you know, here's how to eat well in a plant-based diet from a celebrity. And then over the few the few days after, I, I just kept looking through it and it's really like in-depth, high-quality stuff. Alicia has a wonderful heart uh, and a wonderful way of communicating. And the way the book is broken down, it's broken down into like a beginner, intermediate, and advanced sort of section she has different words for it but she goes into some foods and and stuff that i've never even heard of and she talks about different uh different like sort of food combinations and and effects on the body and environment and and uh macrobiotic type diet stuff and i was just like wow and some of the recipes look awesome the photography is beautiful and i was really kind of caught off guard by how great this book is. So if you are at all interested in cooking and a plant-based diet and learning more about macrobiotic diets and, and this kind of thing, it's pretty cool. The Kind Diet by Alicia Silverstone. And there's a link to that on our website. Awesome. Yeah. I was really, awesome. really surprised, really pleasantly surprised. That's great. Yeah. Uh, we've also got a, a, a team pick uh, this week from uh, our production coordinator, Jen Levin. I actually use this uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a website called tvline.com, and Jen writes, they have been my go-to source for TV information since they launched, and they are awesome, exclamation point. Each year during the upfronts, they post information as it comes in. So I was thinking, this kind of reminds me of blogs like Engadget and stuff that cover like the Apple live events, mm, yeah. except they're covering you know, the upfronts and, and, and posting about them. And they have all of the upcoming fall TV schedules. And then uh, there's a link to Fox, to, um, uh, to ABC, NBC, CBS, CW. And I actually used this because when I went in and had my, my meeting with the head of casting or uh, what is her manager of casting for CBS Studios, I wanted to know what was on their lineup. So I got we got this pick from Jen right before that meeting, and I looked it up, and it was super helpful to have something valuable uh, to talk about in that meeting. So, awesome. uh, really, really cool. She also writes, I use these trailers to start my TV show research, so I can combine what I find on IMDb to create a bit of a fact sheet for the upcoming show. So I'm ready to take notes on them when they premiere. Uh, TV Line also posts premiere calendars for the major show premiere times. Uh, right now, that they have the summer premiere calendars posted. Uh, they do post spoilers from time to time, and they've got some fun interviews with cast and creative teams, too. So uh, pretty cool. 
uh, great for doing your TV research. So thanks for that, Jen. Awesome. Yeah, another great tool to, to pop into the actor toolbox. We got some good stuff this week. That is, uh, if you haven't checked out Rehearsal, make sure you get that. Plus uh, this uh, tvline.com sort of database and live blog. And then uh, get busy with SoundsTrue.com and specifically the Brene Brown program, Men, Women, and Worthiness, and then get your healthy eating on with The Kind Diet by Alicia Silverstone. Links to all of those things in uh, the show notes on our website for this episode. What a cool episode. Seriously, we made podcast history, inside acting history this episode in many ways, but definitely, man, being part of a marriage proposal is one of the coolest experiences of, of my life to date. Can't wait to hear the uh, the sort of play by play of how that went. That I just keep imagining it in my head. You know, her listening and him standing there, having the ring in his pocket, and it's so cool. That's so cool. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and co-hosted by me, Trevor Algott, and AJ Meyer. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gdali Gubarek is our marketing and web director. Deborah Smith is our community manager. Timothy Patrick Waterman is our director of public relations. Trevor Algott, that's me, edited and mixed today's episode and composed our theme and interview music, and Fern Lim designed our logo. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our episodes at our website, insideacting.net. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. Wow. What a list. Special thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro and VO2GoGo.com. And a special thanks to you guys, our listeners. You make this thing possible. This is, you're the reason we do this. And if you love the show and you want to maximize its value in your life and career and keep it going, sign up as a member or make a one-time donation. But if you sign up as a member, you get some pretty cool perks. You get access to our membership message board, including the book club, all the discussions going on there, the special meetups, the freebies, uh, lots more. Just visit InsideActing.net and click on the membership tab to get started with that. Awesome. Well, that's it for episode 242, the groundbreaking marriage proposal episode of Inside (laughs) Acting. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, sign or test. The choice is yours. 